Hello everyone and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we are doing a top five episode and we will be ranking our lesser known spooky season picks. Warning, spoilers ahead. I'm so excited. It's time for the spooky season finale. Yes. Um, how was your cabin trip? Oh, it was good. Yay. I completely forgot that um, we haven't potted since then. No. Was it, it was relaxing? Great. Yeah, it was really nice. It was kind of funny getting there the first night and going around the entire house having just watched Barbarian and being like, hmm, wonder what's behind that door. <laughs> and you didn't explore because you well know that that's how people die. We did kind of rummage around under the house, though, <laughs> looking for a washing machine. Oh. Uh, it was so funny. Yeah, I thought it was you were great. just being mischievous. Oh, no, <laughs> that is something we would do, though. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. It was definitely chilly and mm-hmm. a little bit rainy, but it was really nice to be away and nice to have a living space with a porch, like a covered uh, porch, yeah. so that I could spend time outside. So mm-hmm. I got a big comforter and wrapped myself up in it and just you know typed away on my laptop (laughs) out out on the patio in the rain it was great i love that Mm -hmm. i was thinking about you the other day because my mom came out for this weekend oh no way yeah she was helping me around the house i have some like leaky air spots so we did some like insulating um oh anyways sorry getting back to the first part I was thinking about you because my mom and I had a big fire and I was thinking about how you used to come over for fires. Yeah. And we used to plan podcast oh, together yeah. <laughs> and talk about writing projects. Yeah. And just generally have a good time. I know. I miss that so much. You're so lucky. I know. One day we'll do that again somehow. Oh yeah. Up in Maine. Oh yeah, and yeah, our retreat we'll go up to Maine and have a the writing retreat. Have a big fire. We can go out on the pontoon boat in the middle of the night and look Hell at the galaxy yeah. and watch the moon rise and set. Why aren't we doing this right now? Because <laughs> we don't live in Maine. Um, we should do that. Yeah, it was really good weather. It's finally getting like cold, cold here, so it's perfect fall weather. Bill Skarsgård weather. Bill Skarsgård weather. <laughs> um, I'm ready to jump in if you are. Cool, yeah. So yeah, we're doing another top five episode. And we wanted to do a nice little spooky season top five. And I kind of pitched the idea a few weeks ago when I was, you know, making a, a cursory list of doing lesser-known spooky season media because there's so many, you know, like, best horror films or best Uh horror TV shows, and you always hear about the same ones. And that's, you know, that's awesome. Those are all great, and they deserve to be well-known. But there's other stuff out there that I think (laughs) more people should hear about, too. So Yeah, I love that idea. I'm really excited. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with 
a form of media that I've never covered on the pod before. In my number five spot, I have a play. Oh. Yeah. Really? (laughs) The Pillow Man by Martin McDonough. McDonough? I don't know how to say his name. I'm sorry. He's very famous. I should know, but I think you I said simply it right. don't say it out loud that much. He's a really famous playwright, and a lot of his plays get turned into movies, or maybe he just writes straight-up screenplays, too. But he's had several pretty popular films, but no one has adapted The Pillow Man, which is um, a 2003 play that he wrote. And I've only ever read it as like a, you know, mm-hmm. a little on paper, like book form of the play. I've never seen it performed in person, which God would be really cool. Um, especially because the cast list in my copy of the play lists um, Jeff Goldblum as one of the main characters. <laughs> wow. I'm really curious. How did you find out about this play? I found out about this play from my best friend in college. He was in a literature course. I forget what it was called, but it was essentially a horror literature class. Very cool. And this was on the syllabus. And he was like, you gotta read this play. It's really fucked up. (laughs) I think you'd like it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And I read it and I loved it. (laughs) And I, yeah, the copy I have is his, so... Cool. I kept it. (laughs) It's really good. It is, it takes place in kind of a dystopian police state, future-esque setting. And a lot of it is an interrogation, a police interrogation of the main character, whose name is Katurian Katurian. And he is a fiction writer. He writes a lot of short stories. And a a lot of those stories feature like, terrible deaths of children, Mm. and the police are interrogating him because these um, fictional events start happening in the world of the story, and they're like, hey, it's pretty suspicious that, you know, these things in your stories are happening. What do you know about this? (laughs) And so you learn more about, you know, this guy and uh, his relationship with his brother and his family, and you try to piece together why these things are happening Mm -hmm. in the world of the story. And I don't want to give a ton of it away because I do intend to cover it, I think, as its own piece of media. I actually intend to do that with all of these, so I'll probably be pretty cursory Mm -hmm. with each of my things. But I just really thought it was just such a creative story. It's not for the faint of heart. It's quite dark. I mean, obviously it involves um, violence with children and like troubling family dynamics, but it's, I found it very unique. And the concept of the pillow man, the character in the play is fascinating and I've never stopped thinking about the pillow man and I don't know if they ever will adapt to this it might be too dark to be to have a lot of commercial appeal Mm -hmm. but it's still very Mm thought-provoking 
and I encourage you to read it if you think you can stomach the content because the concepts that are presented and the moral quandaries are quite interesting. And so that's my pitch for The Pillow Man. Wow, I've never even heard of that. That Mm -hmm. sounds really intriguing. So my number five pick is a book that I've talked with you about, but it's The Return by Rachel Harrison. Okay. And this is Rachel Harrison's debut novel. It was published in 2020, and it is a novel about this group of friends who are reunited after one of their friends returns from a mysterious two-year disappearance. And you find out that she had gone hiking in the Appalachian Mountains and she disappeared. And usually when people go missing in the Appalachian Trail and the Appalachian Mountains, it's very hard to find them. If you go off trail, a lot of people don't come back. So... They have kind of like, their lives have changed drastically in the last two years, and they're trying to like reunite with this friend who is clearly um, traumatized from her experiences and is kind of recovering, and uh, it's just a really interesting... Rachel Harrison has this really interesting focus on friendship and female friendship, particularly in her novels. And I like the way she writes about that. Last year, she released a book called Cackle, which is about, like, female friendship slash mentorship of, like, an older female friend kind of mentoring a younger friend. And it's kind of witchy in in that book. But in this book, it kind of talks about the concept of growing apart as friends and the way friend dynamics change as you age, because these are a group of girls that knew each other from high school and those dynamics have shifted as they've aged. And it's kind of about hanging on to that and the the toxicity that comes from hanging on to that kind of relationship sometimes. And I just think that it's such a different thing to write about because A lot of horror novels revolve around family or around relationships, and I just think it's really interesting and refreshing to see a horror novel that revolves around a group of uh, female friends that are just getting older. I thought it was really good. It is a great monster. Ooh. It is great hotel horror, so they go and they stay in this really cool hotel. That's fun. And I was like, I want to stay in this hotel. It seems really cool. All of the rooms are, like, themed as different. It's, like, kind of a boutique kind of hotel where all of the rooms are themed. And it's just – I was fascinated by it, and I thought it was really cool. Um, In some ways, it reminded me of – Grady Hendrix's My Best Friend's Exorcism in terms of like the way that the best friend has kind of changed and her behavior uh, after the disappearance is is very reminiscent to the early stages of the the possession in My Best Friend's Exorcism, Uh. which I really liked. I thought that was really cool. I gave all of mine kind of spookiness rankings, mm-hmm. and I would rate this one 3 out of 10 in terms okay. of a spooky scale. So it's not super spooky. It's not going to haunt you at night. 
Um, it's not going to make you stay up too late, but I thought it was a really fun story, really interesting themes, and I highly recommend this book. It didn't get enough attention uh, when it initially came out, and I really liked it. I love a spooky hotel, especially a boutique one. I so badly want to be the concierge of a haunted boutique hotel. Oh, I think I could really thrive in that role. <laughs> okay. My number four. This is the one I think we might have overlap on. Okay. This is my hypothesis. Okay. This is a book. It is The Stranger Diaries by Ellie Griffiths. I thought about putting that on my list and I didn't. Oh. No, it's not on my list. Okay. Well, this is the first Ellie Griffiths book that I read. Um, and it's a really great introduction to her as an author because it began as a standalone book. It's now become kind of a more loose series, but uh, when it was published in 2019, it was the, f the first one of that series, so it was standalone at the time. Mm -hmm. And I love this book for spooky season because it has really immaculate gothic fall vibes. Yes. It's the most prime example of a modern gothic mm -hmm. novel. And it's essentially a mystery, a murder mystery, where the main character, Claire, she's an English teacher, and one of her good friends slash colleagues gets murdered, and Claire becomes you know, involved in the investigation because it was a good friend of hers and the police think someone known to the victim was the murderer. Mm -hmm. And you get to see um, how Claire is trying to, you know, find out what happened. Um, and you also get to see um, how the police are trying to solve the case, namely through the eyes of the lead detective on the case, Harbinger Kaur. Mm -hmm. um, she is actually the through line to the rest of the series, so the subsequent books are about more cases of hers, but this is the first book she appears in, and she's a really fun character to follow, I too, because she has her very fun, not fun, but... <laughs> fun to watch home life and I loved her relationship with her detective partner mm -hmm. and she's a fun character to follow so the characters are cool the setting's great and one extra element that I always appreciate and admire each time I read this book is that the character of Claire, she's kind of an expert on this fictional author called R.M. Holland, mm -hmm. who wrote like a famous gothic short story, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like Fall of the House of Usher type vibes. Mm -hmm. And you get pieces of that story, that fictional story throughout the book. Mm -hmm. And I love that story within the story. I love yes. the way it's written. Mm -hmm. It is very much in the style of that, you know, genre and era. And it just really adds something. Yeah. And elevates the entire, the entire novel and just puts you in the mood for... Just a great gothic fall uh, mystery. I love it. It's, yes. it's a wonderful book. 
I loved that book. That's always like one of my favorite books to recommend to people ever Mm -hmm. since you had me read it. I recommended it to my mom who loved it. And I recommended it to my friend who lives up in Minneapolis as well. I know. It's such it's such a quick, effortless read. I know. It is oh, it's a classic Ellie Griffiths book. Yeah. Usually it takes me a good few days at least if I'm like really into a book to read it. And I read like through the night. I couldn't put it down. I mm-hmm. had to I was so sleep deprived the next day. Um <laughs> Oh my god. And Ellie Griffith's books are tend to be like that as well. Yes. It's just um usually they're a bit slower of a build. Uh I would say in like the Ruth Galloways, once you hit the like climactic moment, I have to like read until the end. Sure. But uh in this one it was just addictive. I couldn't put it down. So good. Yeah, highly recommend. Um, all right, so my number four pick is the 2015 film It Follows, and I do kind of hesitate to say that this is, I mean, I would say that it's lesser known, but it's still pretty popular in, like, the indie horror scene. Definitely. Um, but I think that this is a stellar film. It revolves around the life of this, uh, high schooler, Jay, who... She goes out with this guy for a a while, and they have sex, and upon having sex, he tells her, listen, there's this thing. It has been following me ever since I had sex with somebody who gave it to me, and if it catches me, it will kill me, so I've passed it on to you, and now you need to pass it on to somebody else, essentially, or keep running from it. And... I really love the concept of this monster or demon or whatever it is, I don't know, um, because it is so unsettling because it is just a very slow walking presence that approaches the person in question uh, from afar, or it can get close to you, it can change its appearance to look like people you know, but it does not respond to stimuli, really. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's talking to you and tricking you into thinking that it's your mom or whatever. It Mm -hmm. is just visually pulling this kind of trickery, but in a very unsettling way. It's just a very unsettling creature. But I really love... There's a scene in the film where they're, like, trying to fight and defeat the monster in a, uh, the school's pool area. Oh, my God. That is such a scary scene. I was, like, just on the edge of my seat that whole time. And that's when I knew that I really enjoyed the film was because I was just so intensely engaged If you haven't seen it, I think it's a really original concept for a horror film, and I thought it was really enjoyable. I would say that it's probably a 6 out of 10 on my spooky scale. Mm -hmm. It's, like, not super scary, but it's pretty unsettling. Yeah. It's got a killer score, too. Yeah. And it's also, it's cool to see a movie where they're focused on high schoolers, but the high schoolers are making adult informed decisions about things which i really Mm -hmm. like it's not your classic horror film about high schoolers where they're just doing dumb shit 
Um, I thought that they were a lot more clever about everything in this film and mm-hmm. treated the high schoolers as though they were almost adults. Yeah, they were quite which I thoughtful. Like. Um, my number three spot is also a film. It is the 2015 film Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yes. <laughs> I absolutely want to cover this one day in full. So I'll just give you the very basics. Patrick but Wilson. <laughs> your guy, Pat. <laughs> this film was directed by S. Craig Zoller, and it stars Kurt Russell, also <laughs> very <mom>. cool guy. <laughs> My mom loves a good Kurt Russell. Uh, yeah. I always think of your mom now <laughs> when I see Kurt Russell. It's He's got so Kurt good. Russell. It's got Patrick Wilson. It's got Matthew Fox. It's got Richard Jenkins. So many good people. What a yes. cast. There's more where that came from. <laughs> it is a masterpiece of a movie because it is a great blend between a Western and a horror film. And it's just so well done. And the basic premise is that Patrick Wilson's character's wife has been abducted by this strange um, cave-dwelling type of person in the... I forget what state they're in. It's out in the West. It's a Western, you know. And he has to form a posse to go rescue her. And so everyone saddles up and goes in pursuit of um, these unknown creatures that have taken Patrick Wilson's wife. And you follow them on this rescue mission, and the characters are wonderful. It's definitely unsettling at certain points. It's not for the faint of heart violence-wise, mm. <laughs> but you really come to grow an attachment to a lot of the characters, specifically Richard Jenkins's character, in my opinion. Chicory, he is just the definition of a sweet old, old guy. Yeah. yeah. I love him. I love that character. He's so sweet. I also really like the unlikable character. I thought he was real cool. Matthew Fox, I loved him too. Yeah. He loved I his like horse. He was great. <laughs> they're all good, which is why they're so fun to root for. So... Mm-hmm. It's a great watch, and it, the adversaries are compelling in that you would never want to fucking meet them. So, yes, I, I highly recommend it, especially if you're interested in films that mix genres that just aren't often combined. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a little skeptical of period pieces mm-hmm. because... I just have an aversion, an unexplained aversion to period pieces, but it was so well executed. I was very, very engaged with that film. Mm-hmm. Love that. My number three pick is The Last of Us Parts 1 and 2, the video game on the PlayStation. And okay, when I was initially conceptualizing this list, I was thinking about it not only as lesser known horror content but also underappreciated horror content and last of us one was a hit everyone loved last of us one definitely Um, the general premise is that there is a um apocalypse type event where the world uh has this infection of a fungal nature (laughs) and it 
infects people and turns them into these zombie-like creatures, which ends up killing a ton of the population. And there are these little pockets of community, usually in big cities, where they could kind of reinforce things. And basically, there's this search for a cure, and there's a girl named Ellie. She got uh, exposed to these uh, spores and didn't get infected. And so she's like this promising hope for a cure. And so the playable character is Joel. And he is tasked with smuggling Ellie out of the city and getting her to um, the West Coast where there's a lab and they can try to use her to find a cure. So that's the general premise. And the first game was very, very well received. The second game, I would say, is better than the first game. I really enjoyed it. And I think a lot of people really enjoyed it. But they made some really controversial choices in the second game that I think a lot of people were a little serious about and (laughs) uh, just really didn't like. I don't want to spoil it, but there were a lot of choices made in the second game that people hated and Hmm. it really drove them away from the game. But I thought it was really fantastic. It has a great use of music. You can get that just from the trailer of Last of Us 2. It is, it's just fantastic. I love that it is a kind of father-adopted-daughter type story. It's really heartwarming. You're rooting for Joel, but he's a really complex character. He's got bad elements of him. And yeah, I just, I think the characters were really rich. The plot is really rich. The moral uh, questions that the game is asking of the player are really interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just very thought-provoking. The scenery, the way this, like, world has been built is Mm -hmm. gorgeous. I think they start out in Philadelphia, and I'm pretty sure. Do they? I thought it was, like, Atlanta. Oh, so not not in the initial scene, but, I mean, the city where they start out in um, post-apocalyptically. So there's, like, the Ah. opening sequence where Joel is, like, the zombies are starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that was down south somewhere. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure. And you get to meet Tommy, Joel's brother, who's mm-hmm. the, my favorite character. I mm. fucking love Tommy. But yeah. I mean, plus the monster design is just really fucking cool. exceptional. Oh, I yes. love it. It's yeah. fucking... I love that it's spore-based. Yes. I love the variation. And they never call it a zombie. I'm calling it a zombie because that's the m- most analogous. Sure. But they call them, like, clickers and uh, yeah, runners, yeah. and they always use a different word. It's not a zombie, which I really think is cool. You good? <laughs> There's a weird noise. Oh. I was like, you're spooking me now. (laughs) Sorry. Ghost. But one thing that I'm really excited about with this series is that they are making an HBO series that will begin airing in 2023. And I'm so excited. They have cast Pedro Pascal as Joel. And I'm stoked because he is like classic uh, 
be my dad material. <laughs> I love Pedro Pascal. He was in, um, oh God, The Mandalorian. Yes, he was Thrones. in The Mandalorian. Um, but there's another movie where it's like a similar uh, relationship. Pro- uh, prospect. Prospect. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, where he is like this smuggler type character. This girl's dad dies, mm-hmm. and um, he like has to take care of her and keep her safe. And he's made for this role. It's so good. I'm so excited. Um, that- Have you seen the trailer? It looks fucking amazing. I know. I know. I'm really excited about it. I think it looks so visually consistent. I'm thrilled. It's going to be so great. I kept meaning to text you about it this week. I'm unbelievably excited. I Me too. have no words. It isn't very spooky. Uh, there are some like scenes where you're fighting the monsters, and that can be a little intense, but I would rate it a 4 out of 10 on the spooky scale mm-hmm. in terms of like general plot. But just so good. I love Dina. She's my favorite. Um, she's in the second game, mm. and... She is a fucking powerhouse of a woman. I can't fucking wait for this series. Ugh. That's all I got to say on that one. I just I'm glad we're both I excited. Really fucking love that one. I love having you stuff like that. You watched a playthrough of Last of Us? Just well, I watched a person live in the same room play through the first one, but I mm. never watched the second one cuz there was like a long time in between. I yeah. was in undergrad when the first one came out. Yeah, the first one came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. The second one came out in 2020, and they just revamped The Last of Us Part 1 and, like, updated all of the graphics and, like, body movement of the characters. Ooh. So it's just, like, a better playing experience. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, $70, though, so... You won't catch me paying for a second copy of this game. Yeah. But I'm sure it's really cool. I'll probably watch a playthrough of somebody playing the new version just to see how it, how mm-hmm. it looks. I'll just wait for Pedro to do it and watch him. <laughs> Pedro does a let's play <laughs> of the game. No, I just read I love that. On I know what you meant. <laughs> I was just being willfully <laughs> obtuse. Obtuse, yes. <laughs> uh good pick oh god i'm fucking excited for that show okay are you ready to move on mm-hmm. I'm running high on excitement which is totally appropriate for my number two pick which is an excellent film it is the 2011 film attack the block oh yes you're talking about a lot of my faves i'm I so know. excited i <laughs> that you showed to me faves that you introduced me to yeah um well they're just good fucking movies they are and books all of it it's all good it's all good stuff this is a film i could see how you might not argue it should be on on the list but i think it it is it's like sci-fi camp there's monster it's great yeah i think it deserves um uh sometime during your spooky season programming for sure (laughs) let me tell you why Please, tell me why. (laughs) This film was directed by Joe Cornish, and it's, again, a mashup of several genres. It's sci-fi, it's adventure, it's kind of suspenseful, it's comedy, Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's wonderful all around. It's a popcorn movie. It's a popcorn movie. 
and the basic premise is that there's this gang of kids um, that live in South London, and they are forced to defend their housing block from an alien invasion. And it's really awesome. It, Like I said, it came out in 2011, but it has a lot of great actors in it. Namely, John Boyega, he's the star. And I, back when I saw this, back before the new Star Wars trilogy, I was like, wow, that guy's good. And when I saw he was cast for the new Star Wars, I was like, yeah, this makes total sense. He's got really good experience with aliens. Yes. So, <laughs> Prior could work experience. on that. Could work on that one. <laughs> uh, I love his He's performance great. in Star Wars, too. I thought he oh, was yeah. fantastic. He's a fantastic actor. Um, Jodie Whittaker is in it. She's great. Yes. I was like, oh, the lady from Broadchurch. Love her. Yeah. Now she's in everything. Nick Frost, he's got a small, tiny role, and he's wonderful. Um, he's This is very much a movie if you like, you know, Edgar Wright's, uh, you know, horror-adjacent stuff like Shaun of the Dead. This is very much in that same vein, I would say. Mm-hmm. So if you like that, you would probably like this as well. It's got, it's just good fun, great it's characters. good music. <laughs> good music, good <laughs> social commentary. It. And I just love seeing all these people that are working together and problem solving together mm-hmm. and just watching them move from location to location and use what they have on hand and use what their little like high school age, you know, world can accommodate. It's just wonderful. I yes. highly recommend it. Attack the Block. It's a fun time. Oh, it's so good. I love when we had our movie night where we shared yeah. that during mm-hmm. COVID. That was so fun. Oh, it's very fun. <sighs> okay. So my number two pick is a movie that came out in 2010. It's called The Last Exorcism. Have you seen this? No. Okay. Um, it is a found footage horror film, It which is so up my alley. I love a found footage horror film. I talked about this in my discussion of X-Cops in the X-Files episode that I just love that kind of like point of view camera being held. Uh, I think it makes it so much scarier when Mm -hmm. a a scary thing is coming at you and you're running away from it. I just think it's great. So the premise of this film is that there is a reverend, um, his name is Reverend Marcus, and he has spent many, many years performing exorcisms. Um, And he is making a documentary with these documentarians and showing how he cons people into thinking that they are, or not into thinking that they're possessed, but just kind of taking advantage of people who are dealing with mental health crises or whatever and saying that they need an exorcism and they don't really need an exorcism. So Interesting. He's doing his last exorcism and he is basically going to this family who believes that their daughter is possessed and he's going to kind of show the behind the scenes of uh, him working his con. And uh, the twist is that this person might actually be possessed. And basically it's this reverend who's 
like lost his faith. And so he just decided to scam people. And I think it's so cool. Um, it was executed really well. I was terrified. There's this scene. If you've seen Hereditary, you will know that there is this part in Hereditary where the the mom is up in the top corner yeah. of a room and you don't notice her right away and then you do. There's like a similar scene in this film where the girl is like up on top of like a china cabinet or something and it's mm-hmm. really, really dark and you can just see like the the white of her face and oh, she's so scary up there. I hated it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's just a very effective scare, a really fun movie to watch. And yeah, I just thought I, it's such a different concept and I just really liked it. I love that premise. That sounds yes. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Scott introduced that movie to me after we watched the exorcist and i was Mm -hmm. like i hated that that was really (laughs) scary um and then which is funny because when i rewatched the exorcist i didn't find it as scary as i found it that first time but when you don't know what's going to happen the exorcist is a terrifying movie Hmm. but anyways this was like the exorcist meets blair witch project right it was really good very cool that's streaming on Peacock, which I'm sad because I was going to rewatch it for this top five and then I didn't have Peacock and I wasn't going to sign up for yet another streaming yeah. service. Sorry, Peacock. I got too many already. Uh, but yeah, uh, that one I would say is eight out of ten spookies. Ooh. I think that one's the scariest um, recommendation that I mm-hmm. have. Okay. It's time for my number one. <laughs> What is it? I'm realizing now that maybe this could be our overlap, but it would be insane if um, you and I both chose no. the same number ones. I know you haven't seen my number one. Okay. Then we're safe. Okay. Excellent. That's great. It's time for me to talk about a book everyone should read. It's House of Leaves by yes. Mark Z. Danielewski. Hello. This book was published in the year 2000, and it's a modern classic. <laughs> it is... Um, routinely listed, I think, as one of the scariest books that people have read, I think. I mean, this is, it's funny. It's really effective. I have one scene in mind that I Mm -hmm. read like a year ago. I'm still Mm -hmm. reading this book. I still haven't finished it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's an undertaking, but there's this one scene where he's in you're you're reading the the secondary it's like not the a plot it's the b plot Mm -hmm. and he goes to his job at the tattoo shop and he's like down in the supply room and Mm -hmm. he like feels something behind him Mm -hmm. and the description of the something behind him and like the odor and that makes me feel terrified every single time i know exactly what you mean um i think yeah, I don't know. I have such a, a storied history with this book. It's definitely something I want to do a full episode on, mm-hmm. especially because it was my favorite book for all of my 20s, I uh-huh. believe. I read it freshman year in college. Again, I think the same friend recommended it to me. I don't know if it was because of that same literature course mm-hmm. or if they 
we just always had the same taste, but I read it alone in my dorm room in during winter break because everyone else had already gone home and I was waiting to catch a ride back to my hometown and no one was around. It was just me in the dorm in my comforter reading House of Leaves and it was the best experience. It was so good. And it's an extremely dense book. It is a huge undertaking to read this book in detail. I can totally understand why it would take a long time to get through. And it is very um, unconventional in the structure and form that it takes. You're Mm -hmm. basically reading a triple layer story of uh, this man's experience reading a manuscript, an academic manuscript that he finds that is describing a fictional documentary. Mm -hmm. And that's three layers of story about the A plot, which are strange events taking place in the character Will Navidson's new home. Mm -hmm. And the bizarre happenings Uh, and physical properties of that home and how those physical properties and the exploration thereof impact his relationship with his family. Mm. And it is, there's, I mean, you could have an entire course about this book. Yeah. There's so much there. So I won't even begin to get into it. I will just say that if you're interested in investing a lot of time and contemplation into something that explores the depths of human psychology and includes a heavy helping of kind of Lovecraftian horror, Mm. this could be up your alley. It's a great choice. And that's a good time. And there's no other book like it. It's it's wonderful and fascinating, and I highly recommend it. Yeah, there's just a lot to unpack. So much. But I love it. I want to, once I finish my first pass, I want to go back and just reread the parts about the A-plot, that, like, mm-hmm. documentary, mm-hmm. because I find that very, very interesting and the most compelling part of the book for me. Same, yeah. And I'd like to revisit that just because... There's a lot of attention switching in this book, and I think my brain doesn't work like that, (laughs) and so I have a hard time keeping track of, like, all of the different things that are going on and following the multiple plot lines in, so it would be nice to reread parts of it in isolation. Yeah, it's great. People definitely find it spooky. One time I had it home with me when I was home from college Mm -hmm. and Corey picked it up and just started reading a sample of it and he said he had nightmares for weeks after really (laughs) yeah wow it might have been the the tattoo parlor scene I'm not sure I mean it's it's a really interesting take on a haunted house Mm -hmm. type story yeah I would love to see someone attempt an adaptation I think it would be very challenging, mm-hmm. but in Good the right found hands, footage. yeah, in the right hands, I think it could be great. Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see that. Yeah. So, would it be an adaptation of the 
B plot or an adaptation of the A plot because the A plot's a fictional documentary. Right. I think, I mean, that's a good question. I want to see the documentary. <laughs> oh, obviously. I would, I almost only care about the Navidson family mm-hmm. and the Navidson record, which is the name of the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would have to be the central portion of it. But it's really interesting seen through the lens of like, we don't know if this documentary even exists or not and shit like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably impossible to to adapt. I'm not sure. The B-plot would be more interesting to me if it was visual, I think. I think watching that man's descent into madness would be interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. Ooh, here's an idea. So, he's... The B-plot guy, Johnny, he's Mm -hmm. descending into madness because he's reading the manuscript describing the documentary. Mm -hmm. You could kind of take a shortcut and just have someone going insane as they view the actual documentary Mm -hmm. and cut out the, like, academic manuscript portion. Yeah, or... Yeah. Or it could be, like... Or, like, someone writing their thesis mm. about the documentary. Oh, the, the second guy. Yeah. So not... So Zampano. Right. You could follow Zampano. Kind of. Or that a stand-in for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could Some kind of mix of him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's possible to adapt House of Leaves. But I'd watch anyone's attempt. I think you would have to change major aspects of it to Mm -hmm. adapt it, but I don't necessarily think that those are essential things that need to be there, right? Like, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to have that element of does this exist? It could be like a forgotten documentary or like a documentary that someone made and it never like took off. It wasn't in the theaters, but um, someone finds it and decides to do their thesis on it. And Mm -hmm. I think that would be super interesting. Mm -hmm. And the descent into madness from there. Yeah. Someone should try. Yeah. I think it would be really cool. Especially because you would get to see the house. And you would get to see all of the spooky stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I love that. I figured that would be somewhere on your list. Yeah. Number one, apparently. Number one. (laughs) My number one is the movie The Lodge, Uh, which was released in 2019. And I talk about this movie a lot because I really like it. I rewatched it in preparation for this episode because I was initially going to do a full episode on this, but we had some like switches to the scheduling of spooky season content. So I decided to make it my top number one instead of doing a full episode on it right now. And I think I'll come back around to it because it is a Christmas, (laughs) it's a Christmas horror film. So I'll probably loop back around when we do Christmas content. Cool. So this film centers around two children who have just lost their mother and um, they go to live with their dad. Their mom and dad were in the process of getting a divorce at the time and, um, they're 
they live with their father. Their father is seeing a woman and he plans to ask her to marry him soon. And so he talks to his children about it. They're very torn up about their mother. They're not thrilled that their father's getting ready to marry this other woman. And they kind of are rejecting the soon-to-be fiancé, whose name is Grace. And the father comes up with this idea of having everyone, him, Grace, and the two kids go up to the family cabin for Christmas, which is their yearly tradition. He thinks it'll be a really good opportunity for them all to bond. The son, the older of the two children, is played by Jaden Martell, who was in It as Bill, the older brother of the kid with the boat. Ah. Um, Anyways, so he's best known for his role in It. He's got a very distinctive face. And uh, he, his name is Aiden in the film. And um, then we have uh, his younger sister, Mia. Um, And the children... The children stay at the cabin or the lodge with Grace after their father returns to the city to do some work after Christmas, and he's going to come back in a couple of days. So great bonding time for Grace and the kids. Um, There's like really interesting and awkward family dynamics going on there because Grace is trying to win over these kids, um, kind of get them get them on her side but they're very kind of shut down around her um and um i don't want to give away too much because i really want people to watch it so Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna kind of stop it there and just say that the film is a mystery mixed with like cult horror mixed with um a lot of family drama and Mm. it's a fantastic film it So I say that it was a 2019 film. It started touring different film festivals in 2019. And I was waiting and waiting for its release in our local cinema. But it was supposed to be released like the week that we shut down for the pandemic. And so nobody got to go see it in the theater. And it just came straight to streaming. It's on Hulu. And... like i just think it's such a well-made horror movie people should go go watch it because it didn't get enough appreciation and it was just really really good so i would rank it five out of ten spookies five out of ten yes um and i can't wait to do my full episode on it eventually so everyone should go watch it now Mm -hmm. that way when i do my full episode i can get more into spoilers sounds like a deal but yeah, that's my number one pick. I loved it. I'm glad we did lesser knowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I think that was a really fun take. I have some honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions? Um. Why don't you start with yours? Okay. Um. One of my honorable mentions is After Midnight, which is another 2019 oh, yeah, yeah. film. Um. That is a really good, campy uh, thriller horror film. I thought it was really good. Basically, um, it's an indie horror film. Bria Grant is the lead. She is 
on a podcast called Reading Glasses. She's one of the hosts, and she's an actress and director. But After Midnight is really good. It's got a good use of music. It uh, is campy and funny and uh, just, oh, it's such a fun watch. I really liked it. Um, I also have on here uh, The Babadook which is a well-known horror film, but I really enjoy it. And I think it's a really good example of single mom horror, uh, Mm -hmm. which is definitely my wheelhouse. I think it's so good. And I thought it was really scary. So after midnight, I would rank four out of 10 on my spooky scale. And the Babadook, I would rank another eight out of 10 on my spooky scale because I thought it was really scary. Mm Mm-hmm. And then my final honorable mention is Spiritfarer. It is a video game. I rank it 0 out of 10 on the spooky scale. So it's not scary, but it is about death. You play as this like main character who is taking over Charon's job of, uh, who is a mythical figure, um, job of ferrying the dead to the afterlife. Ah. Uh. Um, and I think it is a beautiful game. It's a cozy game. It's like a lot of like management and, um, doing quests for different spirits that come on your boat so that they can be ready to go into the afterlife. You're kind of wrapping up their unfinished business and so on and so forth. But I think it's a really lovely game. I cried multiple times. It's really hard to say goodbye to the spirits when they get to move on to the afterlife. And Hmm. I thought it was just a really moving and emotional game. Um, So I really recommend it. I think it's like $20 to buy on the Switch. And I think you can buy it on other formats as well. But I I really liked it. And I think that it's, it's kind of fitting to talk about spirits in a positive way for spooky yeah. season. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Very cool. Um, I think I have one honorable mention okay. that I wasn't sure if I was going to include it or not because I didn't know if it like fit the spooky vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing now that on IMDb it's listed as a horror mystery sci-fi film but it's just it's just not a spooky vibe but it is a very good film um it's Possessor the 2020 Mm -hmm. film by Brandon Cronenberg and um it stars Christopher Abbott he's really good in it Mm -hmm. and it is definitely violent with gore, as you might expect from the Cronenberg lineage. Can you remind me what other films Cronenberg has done? This, well, it depends which one you're asking about. This is Brandon Cronenberg. He's the son of David Cronenberg. Ah, I was thinking about David Cronenberg. Yeah. Um, But, so Brandon has done, I think this is his second or third feature-length film. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really good. It's definitely more sci-fi driven. Mm-hmm. And basically, it it's like a sci-fi type of company that carries out assassinations. Mm-hmm. And there's issues with 
one of the people that work for the company and how the technology is interacting with them, I suppose you could say, is a vague way of putting it. Interesting. And it's just, it was really good. I liked it. It surprised me. And I'm, I'm looking forward to all of his future films now based on it. But it's definitely, I don't know. I just wouldn't call it spooky is all. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That was a really fun episode. Yeah. I enjoyed talking about all of our good spooks. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.